Hello, I'm Maya Noah, and this podcast will delve into how the media covers and frames abortion, how the debate on abortion is a key element in the upcoming 2020 election, and how, throughout history, the topic of abortion has shifted away from a women's right issue to more of a political issue. Let's start by looking at the history behind this topic. So, in 1973, Jane Roe, a fictional name used to protect the plaintiff's identity and privacy, challenged a Texas law which made abortion illegal except by a doctor's order to save the woman's life. Roe alleged that the state law was not only vague, but infringed upon her right to personal privacy, which is protected by the 1st, 4th, 5th, 9th, and 14th Amendments. In a 7-2 decision, it was ruled that a woman's choice whether to have an abortion falls within the Due Process Clause of the 14th Amendment and is a fundamental right to privacy. Ultimately, Roe v. Wade affirmed that access to safe and legal abortion was a constitutional right. Despite this Supreme Court ruling being in force for the past 47 years, this case is currently at stake, with conservative senators confirming extreme conservatives to lifetime positions in federal courts. This constitutional right is at risk now more than ever. Moreover, with the recent passing of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, the second female justice to serve in the Supreme Court, it is likely that we will see massive shifts in this right to abortion and women's rights in general. And on September 26th, President Donald Trump announced his Supreme Court nominee, Amy Coney Barrett, a conservative judge known for previously being a member of an anti-abortion group called Right to Life. Thank you very much, Mr. President. I am deeply honored by the confidence that you have placed in me. And I am so grateful to you and the First Lady, to the Vice President and the Second Lady, and to so many others here for your kindness on this rather overwhelming occasion. Barrett's confirmation to the Supreme Court would essentially strengthen the current conservative majority, establishing a 63 block of conservative justices. According to Barrett's record of advocating against abortion rights, this confirmation is expected to augment the likelihood of limited abortion access. And according to Planned Parenthood, within the United States, 73% of the American public opposes overturning Roe v. Wade. A Pew Research study additionally shows that about 6 in 10 adults say abortion should be legal in all or most cases. I spoke to two individuals with different perspectives in this debate. First, I sat down with Julia Gamberg, a pro-choice individual. So just to begin, how do you think the media frames the issue of the right to an abortion? I think it depends like what you're looking at with like for your media. Um, I know in my house, like we only have MSNBC on, so they're gonna be, you know, talking about um, more pro-choice and like women's, um, you know, right to choose and how abortion shouldn't even be like a political issue because it's healthcare. And, um, but if you turn on Fox News, you're going to hear a lot of different stuff. So I think like when you're trying to find information on abortion, on pro-choice, pro-life, or like how it became a political issue, you have to really go through the websites and the sources that are coming up on the internet and really try to find the truth. Like any like website or news source that you're going to find on this topic is going to be biased one direction or the other um, because it's such like a politicized issue. Yeah, there's this 
sort of polarization between right-wing media and left-wing media, especially in terms of this issue of an abortion. And kind of like on that note, can you talk a little bit about how this right to an abortion has shifted from a healthcare issue and a women's right issue to more of a political issue? Basically, I was very interested in like the history of it. Um, I like just refreshed myself yesterday before um, our discussion um, uh, to just like remind myself of how it became a political issue because like it shouldn't be a political issue. Um, and basically, you know, it started as a way for the Republican Party to get that evangelical and the really right Christian vote. So it started with Richard Nixon all the way back in 1972. And after he won the election by painting this picture of pro-life is pro-family and pro-American and that like whole bubble, people started to see that that really worked and that got the American people to vote for these Republican figures. Um, and that's kind of in the 1970s, how the Republican party shifted to kind of what we know it as today. And it's still happening of these like, um, Republican candidates getting more of the religious folks to vote for them because they're pro-family, pro-life, pro-this vision of what America should be. Coming into today, so much of what the Republican party is is the promise to the like alt-right religious that they're gonna reverse Roe, that they're gonna make abortion illegal and they're gonna be pro-life, anti-choice, um, this big thing. I was just talking to a friend the other day whose mother is very religious and she was saying that a lot of her mother's friends are like not even gonna vote because they can't get themselves to vote for a, per a person who is not pro-life, but obviously like Trump is horrible. Um, and it's just crazy how like literally the only thing keeping people from voting for Biden and voting for like a humane person is this issue of abortion. Mm -hmm. I'm very eager to see how this issue of the right to abortion plays a role in the 2020 election, which is just about two weeks away now. And then how would you describe the role of women in this debate around abortion and this discussion of the right to an abortion? Would you say their voices are fairly represented? Um, definitely not. <laughs> um, because I think it all comes down to abortion and like one's stance on that is now political. It's become a political issue. And politics is equivalent to power and power is equivalent to white men and the white men are equivalent to the decision-making. So it's really like women just don't have the same spots in the conversation as men do because they don't have the power that men do, which literally doesn't make any sense because it's a woman's issue. It's, you know, people with uteruses issue. It's not a man's issue. Um, and it's not a political issue. It's a healthcare issue. So, um, yeah, no, women are definitely not in the conversation as much as they should be. Melody Zimmerman, a 2017 graduate from Ithaca College and a former member of Ithaca College's Students for Life, 
had an opposing opinion on this topic. She believes that rather than abortion being framed in the media as a women's right issue or a political issue, it should be discussed as an ethical issue. I, mean, I think they frame it in various ways, such as like a women's rights issue um, or as like a healthcare issue, which um, kind of confuses some of the more crucial debates and questions by putting it into a political sphere immediately, rather than first engaging some of those ethical questions. And I think that's part of the issue with President Trump. He just perpetuates the politicization of abortion and doesn't promote actual ethical thinking and dialogue. I guess I would say referring to it as a women's right issue, I think is somewhat a making it a political issue because um, rights and are that's kind of a political, you know, whether you have a right to something or not. Clearly, there is much debate around this right to an abortion. Abortion is an issue that is necessary to dissect and look deeper into. Not only is abortion an issue this election period, but it has a history of being a topic of debate during key presidential election periods. If we take a look at the 2016 election, we saw Hillary Clinton defend abortion rights with a key message being, quote, a woman's right to choose is a woman's right to choose. On the other hand, Trump has publicly stated that he is strongly pro-choice with three exceptions, rape, incest, and protecting the life of the mother. This topic was the main focus during the final presidential debate in 2016. On the other hand, since 2004, Obama publicly stated that he was pro-choice. However, according to Politico, five months into Obama's first term, he said something surprising in terms of this debate throughout history. Obama gave a commencement speech at Notre Dame University. And instead of delivering the predictable speech on the right to an abortion, Obama discussed, quote, reducing the need for an abortion and, quote, reducing the number of women seeking an abortion. These statements somewhat shifted the history of abortion politics. All in all, one central point that pro-choice and pro-life politicians and individuals in general have in common is that this debate on abortion brings up critical political values, mainly being liberty, life, privacy, and power. Becca Andrews has been a reporter on the reproductive rights beat for Mother Jones for five years now. She focuses on bringing religion and inequality into her beat. Growing up in a small town down south, she was anti-abortion for a long time. Andrews talked about the role throughout history that she sees the mainstream media having in framing this debate of the right to an abortion. I sort of hesitate to ever be like, the media is doing a great job on any one thing, just because we're all human and there's a lot going on. I think the media has historically done a poor job of recognizing the efforts of women of color in this movement. I think often abortion gets examined through a sort of like white feminist reproductive rights lens rather than like a more holistic reproductive justice lens. And, you know, the reproductive justice movement has been led by Black women for decades. And it's really crucial. It's a really big part of our history. And I think it's a really big part of the future of the movement. So I, I do wish that that was covered a little bit more and a little bit better. Mm -hmm. There will be this one woman of color who does something in the abortion rights movement and then suddenly everyone in the media wants to talk to her, but they're not looking at it in like the full context of the history of the thing or, or considering really the populations that are being served. Or I, I just find like media is very easily distracted for a lot of reasons that don't have anything to do with the reporter's capabilities, right? You know, like for newsrooms are shrinking, people are getting paid worse and worse. You're expected to like take on more at once for less money. Like it's just, it sort of is what it is. A lot of it is a byproduct of what's happening to the industry. But yeah, I think that's the one, that's the main critique 
I would make of it. I mean, as far as politicians go, like politicians are gonna politician, right? Like yeah. they're gonna say what they need to say for their base and there's just not, it's, it's hard to come at that in a really fresh way. Mm-hmm. So do you think this coverage is surface level or do you think that the mainstream media is digging deep into the roots of this debate and finding new approaches to reporting on this issue? Yeah, I think, I wonder if you read, there was this piece in Jezebel I think Marie Salas wrote it, um, and it was basically about how no one clicks on abortion stories, and so often, you know, even if you are covering the beat with, like, a really, like, turn-of-the-screw approach, like, you're not even really getting the readership that you should be getting, because people people don't understand the all these, like, all the legal minutiae and how it kind of adds up to restricting mm-hmm. women's reproductive freedom. And it's hard to make them care. So I think that is tricky. I think a lot of that is why I tend more toward narrative-driven stories and narrative-focused stories, partly because that's just the kind of writer I am. That's the kind of reporting that I like doing. And, and partly because I just find it a little easier for an audience to connect with, frankly. Can you talk a little bit about what role you think the issue of abortion has in this 2020 election? Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think abortion is one of those, like, it's funny, it's one of those issues that, like, no one cares about until they really do. No one was really talking about abortion just a ton in the primaries and in the run-up to this thing, but, like, the second Ruth Bader Ginsburg, when news of her death broke, suddenly it was, you know, the main thing. That said, I mean, I think abortion is, like, a key issue for a lot of conservatives. It makes a lot of sense. If you equate abortion with murder, of course, you're going to have really strong feelings about it. And I think that that's a really motivating force for a lot of people. And I think the Republicans are, are sort of like fortunate to have that in their fortunate to like yeah. have, to have that issue as a get out the vote issue, because it is incredibly effective. I think in 16, it played a huge role in mm-hmm. electing Trump over Hillary. I think it really mobilized voters. Uh, and I I suspect that it will do the same this year, although there's such a backlash with rushing through this nomination of, of Amy Coney Barrett. Um, you know, I wonder if it will even the scales. Andrews further talked about how this politicization of abortion developed. Abortion didn't really become a big political issue until sort of the run-up to the Roe v. Wade case, right? Like, as different legal groups were trying to enshrine abortion as, as a constitutional right through through a Supreme Court case. But before that, it, it was more of a it was more of a thing that people did and just no one talked about it, even if it was illegal, like there were ways to get abortion care. It wasn't well regulated. I'm not saying that like abortion access was like better off before Roe. That's not what I'm saying at all. But it, it was like it was less of a major issue, I guess. Um, I've been talking to a lot of women who who got abortions before Roe, and so many of them have told me that I'm the first person they've ever talked to about it. Like, I'm the first person they've ever told their story to, and I, I think that's really significant mm-hmm. because I think it reflects the culture that they grew up in, right? Where it was just like, if you need it, you take your chances and you go get it, but, like, you don't tell anybody. Yeah. And I think as it's, it's become, as it's taken more of a, a prominent seat, in the realm of legal issues, it's gotten to be a little bit more hot button. And part of that also has been like the rise of evangelicalism in this country. And in, in the beginning, when abortion was becoming more of an issue around the time of Roe, the Catholic Church was really involved. And it's interesting because there there was actually a lot of, there was this group called the Clergy Consultation Service. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and they were this like underground group of, of ministers who would help connect women to abortions that they knew to be like responsible and clean and um, who, would, who would do a good job. So, you know, I, I, I'm always leery of conflating um, anti-abortion work to religion. Um, but I, I definitely think as like religion has has become more of the more 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 of a part of the political sphere, this is this is sort of a byproduct of that as well. Back in February, Andrews announced that she will be writing a book on abortion titled No Choice. This book is scheduled to be published in 2022 and will specifically focus on the history of this debate around the topic of abortion. I think writing a book was something that I always thought I would do when I was like 40 or 50, I don't know. Like it just always seemed like this faraway thing that I, I definitely wanted to do, but I didn't think was possible to do in my late 20s. I mean, there, there are a lot of books about abortion and politics uh, on the market, but there's not anything that really looks at how the abortion rights movement has changed throughout history and what we can expect as the Supreme Court and as the federal government continues to chip away at the rights established in in Roe. My hope is that because I grew up in an area that didn't have access to abortion care and didn't even have access to basic sex education, I'm hoping I can show what that future would look like by showing what it looks like on the ground where where access is that restricted right now. Mm-hmm. Like there are states in this country where you just cannot get an abortion. With the 2020 election just around the corner, it will definitely be interesting to see how the outcome will either further give rise to this debate or shift the paradigm of how abortion rights have been construed. Liberty, life, privacy, and power. What values will prevail over the others? I'm Maya Noah, and this has been my podcast on the history of the abortion debate. Thanks for tuning in.